We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. It was almost 35 years ago that the literary magazine Boulevard was established on the East Coast. It ultimately moved to St. Louis, where it's been published for some 22 years. And just out is the magazine's 100th issue. Joining me in studio to talk about the magazine and where it fits into the literary landscape are Jessica Rogan, the editor of Boulevard. Carl Phillips is a Washington University English professor, nationally recognized poet, with two poems in the 100th issue. Joining us by phone is the noted author Joyce Carol Oates. She has been associated with the magazine since its earliest days. Thank you all so much for being with us. Great to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Joyce, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Good to, to talk to you again. Let me go to you, Jessica, first. And I just ask you a very basic question. What is the value of a literary magazine? A literary magazine uh, has a great value to writers who are writing at this very moment. It's a venue to showcase original contemporary work, uh, to try it out against your peers, and to be published in a very timely manner instead of having to go through the whole process of putting out a book. And, of course, for readers, it's of great uh, knowledge and entertainment value. Uh, Joyce, let me turn to you with regard to what what has drawn you over the years to literary magazines. You're one of the top-tier authors in the country today. Uh, I would think that you wouldn't necessarily turn in that direction. Oh, I love literary magazines. I read literary magazines all the time. The Boulevard is really special. I'm just so enthusiastic about this particular magazine because it represents for me a sort of personal connection, and there's no magazine quite like it. I think the art, it begins with the cover. Boulevard covers are so distinctive and so striking, I could recognize one, you know, at 100 feet. And then Richard Bergen has put together... A wonderful combination of older writers. It's almost like he has a stable of his of writers he has been publishing for decades, plus continually new writers and very exciting writers, and even more so these symposia that Richard has been having and interviews with with writers. Some of the the panel discussions are very very provocative and and kind of uh, cutting edge. So this is a magazine that would appeal to many people. It's not really a typical little magazine. It really has large ambitions. We should point out that Richard Bergen, uh, of whom you just spoke, uh, is the the guy who got all this started, right? Absolutely. And I I knew Richard many years ago in Philadelphia. And the magazine had always had this very distinctive look. It's very special, very classy. The covers are quite striking, Often they're surreal, and they're almost always very, very beautiful. And, Carl, I would think that a magazine like this or magazines like this would be tailor-made for you and your poetry. I'm assuming there's not a whole other world of outlet there for what you do. Well, there are many literary journals, yes, but um, they're not all as – I think from the start, Boulevard has been especially attentive to a range of – Aesthetics, so there's that kind of diversity, and then also racial diversity, um, and 
and I think that it's uh, it's been on the forefront um, long before these kinds of conversations started taking place. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's it's been great to have Boulevard as a place to showcase work. Jessica, on this issue of diversity, how can you control that? So I think the number one thing when you're keeping an eye towards building a diverse magazine is to make sure, one, that you have a staff that is inclusive. Um, And as the editor, one thing that I've done is try to recruit people who are, you know, not like myself. Uh, So one person who we've brought on in recent years would be Adrian Matika, who is a poet of um, African-American descent. Um, And then also some other contributing editors like Bix Gabriel, who is Indian, um, and just constantly making sure that you're, you're representing what you want in the magazine on your staff. And then also when you have an issue where you're not receiving enough work from an inclusive uh, stable of writers that you go out and you say, hey, your work is fabulous. Why aren't you sending to us? Joyce, do you think that Boulevard is different from other literary magazines in this regard? Well, it, it, it may be quite different. I, I, that was a very interesting answer that Jessica just gave. I was listening attentively to it. My, my late husband, Ray Smith, and I had a magazine called Ontario Review, and it came out only twice a year. We did it all together, just the two of us, and Ray was really the editor-in-chief, and I was like the associate editor. So Boulevard represents a different kind of publishing. There are many, many more people involved, um, a whole staff of editors and people who are who are reading assiduously and then even recruiting. We also had some of the same ambitions. We did want a diverse uh, table of contents, and we also wanted material from Canada. Our idea was North American work, so we would uh, recruit writers both in, in Canada and in the United States. There's a certain degree of submissions you will get that are excellent that come in more or less anonymously from all over, but then you really, as an editor, have to be active, as Jessica was suggesting. You have to sort of look at what you have and see what you what you don't have, you know, and make a, a real effort then to go out and find other people. Most of us are associated with writing programs and universities, so we have a whole net- network of writers and poets we can call upon. Carl, who is your audience for your poetry? I hope my audience is anyone who is interested in thinking about what it's like to be alive in a human body at this time in the world. Um, Since that's what I write about, a large part of it is desire and eros. Um, But also anyone interested in how language is shifting and changing and Again, that's another thing I look to Boulevard for. It it certainly represents a whole range of voices, um, you know, in fiction, nonfiction, poetry, and I find that a magazine like that creates a new audience. You know, it, in me, it creates. I become an audience member for a different kind of writing that I didn't know existed sometimes. So, yeah. you are an educator, I am. and is there a young audience for your poetry today? There is, um, sometimes to my surprise. Um, 
I, at least that's what I gather from Twitter. So yes. where, where else would you get your information? Sure. Right? And I'd like to think that would be the case anyway, just because what I'm writing about isn't you know, limited to a particular age group. Mm-hmm. Jessica, let's stay with that for a moment. And thinking about the, uh, the younger audience today, the millennial audience, if you will, it seems that uh, most of today's young people are getting whatever information they're taking in from a screen rather than from a printed kind of publication. Uh, are you mindful of that? Do you deal with that? Or is, is there some concern you might have about that? I think on the forefront of ebooks, there was a huge concern that they would destroy the paper publishing industry. Mm-hmm. But it's really not borne out. Um, and our audience size has actually grown, um, our subscriber base, rather than declined, I'd say, in the last five to ten years. So it's actually something that seems like it could be a problem, and yet it's not. And I think it's because there are so many young people who are interested in writing and reading, and so there's just always going to be this built-in audience for books. You know, in some ways, a paper book is better than an e-reader as a form of technology, so it's not going away. Who, who are your readers? Do you have a, a profile of, of uh, your audience? Our audience is pretty disparate, um, and I would say there's always a huge portion of literary magazine readers that are made up of young writers who are looking to benchmark their work against the greater literary community. Um, And, of course, there are people who have been reading Boulevard since its inception and still enjoy it. Joyce, let me come back to you on the issue of this digital digital age. Uh, You've been around for a while and writing books. How has that uh, changed what you do? I don't think it's changed it really all that much. I'm often asked the question, and it's very difficult to answer because I don't have a se- I hope I don't have an immediate sense really of who's reading me. Some of us have online, um, you know, work. Some of our work is online, and who knows who's reading it? They may not even exist. They may be robots or something. <laughs> it's hard really to gauge. In the past, we might have gotten letters from from readers. I, I used to get, you know, handwritten letters and so forth. But today, you don't really know, so it's a difficult question to answer. I guess publishers would probably know a little more. Well, Jessa, I'll come back to you in your introduction to the 100th issue. You say that uh, it came to you as you were going through the material that there was a thread this time around, and it dealt with uh, with immigration. Elaborate on, on that, if you would. How, how did that happen? Completely unintentionally. <laughs> so basically <laughs> what happened is that the way literary magazine acceptance works is that we take it on a rolling basis. Um, some work gets held on for subsequent issues, but most of it just goes into the next one. So as I sat down, I very suddenly or very slowly, I should say, began to realize that there was a whole host of work that had this theme to it. Um, And it just seemed incredibly timely. Um, You know, obviously, current politics are on everyone's minds, and they're obviously on our minds, too, as editors. Um, And I think, as I said in there, that, you know, it's it's good, good for these things to come out in the world. It shows how relevant that even 
little magazines can be. Well, you have a uh, in uh, this uh, 100th issue, you have a number of um, foreign uh, contributors. Which is is that different? Is that uh, something that is is emerging or something that is increasing over time? I think it's holding steady, but it's not always noticeable. And um, we do have a question in this issue about what it's like to be writing in the time oh, of Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah. And that that did bring out a little bit more of the international uh, descendants because obviously that's a question, we, as we all know, that affects just a lot of different types of people. So that might have bumped it up a little bit. But I think, no, we always have that international flavor. What is it like to write poetry in the era of Donald Trump? It's um, sometimes I, I, you know, there are so many types of poetry one could write. I see the act of writing poetry as a form of resistance, just the fact of writing, because it's a refusal um, to be silent. And so mere utterance, I think, is a form of resistance. And I, I admire writers who actively engage in the political landscape. My own poems don't overtly do that, but I also think there's room for poems that remind us what we have, that we, that we care about, and beauty, and love. Um, and so I, I guess that's, that's my role, whatever role it might mm-hmm. be in this era of Trump. Has this era changed things, Joyce, in any way for you as a writer? The, the current era? Yeah. The era of, well, of uh, Mr. Like Trump Richard, and, and, the, and what's going on in the country today. Well, like Richard Bergen, I lived through the Vietnam War years also, and I think in a way it was actually worse then. There were active atrocities going on like every day, which were broadcast on television, and then the generations were very angrily and divisive. And the sort of feeling that we have today of there being a polarized uh, America, I think was even more so in the past. So some writers are very much attuned with the time, and they're they're like people who are riding the waves, and they're very caught up in the temporal. And they may have been written at that writing at that time about the Vietnam War and about Richard Nixon and so forth. And so today, some people are writing about what what is actually happening at the moment. But there are other writers and poets who basically t- take a step back and they're more concerned with the universal and, and abiding themes that are not necessarily tied in with the, the, the time. Some of the best novels I've been reading are set in perhaps like the 1950s, 1960s, but not really that completely contemporary. And some of my writing has been in the, in the near past. So I don't really think that Trump... This sounds ridiculous, perhaps. I don't think that Trump in himself is the phenomenon. He's sort of like a figurehead. He's being used politically. I think he'll pass away, and I think, apart from a small base of very excited uh, supporters, I don't think he is taken very seriously. But there's a deeper malaise that's supporting him and is using him for political purposes. And that, that is a more long and abiding problem in America between the, the two Americas. So I do have a novel that's coming out soon, and it's set in the, in the near future, but it literally has nothing at all to do with Trump. 
a lot of people who are, are, are perhaps younger don't realize that we've been through some pretty difficult times in the past, in the lifetime of certainly you and, and me, uh, Joyce, uh, and we've survived them somehow. John Meacham has written a very interesting book uh, about that and pointed out some of those difficult times and how we did manage to survive them. So there is hope, right? There is hope. I, I want to ask Carl, would you have uh, any interest in reading one of your poems? Sure. Okay. Let, let me just ask a question mm-hmm. of uh, Jessica before we do that. Jessica, um, how do people contribute to your magazine? How do they send work in, you mean? Yeah. I mean, yes. who, who are they and how do they do it? So uh, we have work from people uh, who are just all across an age spectrum, a socioeconomic spectrum. So we take submissions in two ways. One, people can mail them into our address, which is on our website or in the journal itself. Um, and then we also take online submissions, which you can find on our websites. All right. Well, we'll put a link to your website on our website, sdlpublicradio.org. How many submissions might you get uh, during uh, a period of a year? So uh, during one year, we get about 10,000. My Lord, how do you go through <laughs> all of that? Who makes the judgments and on what basis as to what to uh, include? Uh, so we have a very large volunteer staff. Um, and then there is two paid staff members, myself and uh, my managing editor, Dusty Friend. And so what happens is everything gets a read from a member of our staff who you know, are very uh, – excellent writers and readers in their own regard. Many are professors. Um, and after that first read, work gets submitted up the line to the senior editors and to myself. Oh, well. So the chances are relatively slim that you're going to be published if you sent in a, a manuscript. That's true. But on the other hand, the journal is about 95% from those unsolicited submissions. We do not publish very many work that's sent in by agents uh, so, you know, it might seem like a small chance, but on the other hand, you have every chance in the world. That's right. All right, let's turn back to Carl now. And Carl is going to read one of his poems for us. Just set it up for us, Carl, if you would, the title and what you're writing about. Oh, <clears throat> well, the second part might be harder to do. Um, uh, the title is Cadence, and I suppose it's um, it might even tie in with this immigrant idea that you were talking about, immigration, um, maybe about encounters with difference, something like that. Okay. Cadence. To be honest, the crowd frightened me at first, the size, but also how some had for mouths just holes at the back of which only half discernible so that I'd think I'd seen a thing and have to look again, lay a faint glow like the last embers of a fire once believed untamable. More often than not, Mystery rules out familiarity. That doesn't mean it has to. Just so. One of them, slowing down, stopping, laid his hand on my chest. How fair a hand it was, despite signs all over it of a life spent working hard in the open air. One of his eyes spoke despair. The other brimmed with that unmistakable color of a jetty's rocks at waterline after so many years of waves crashing over and against them. Not green to black, the rocks, not black entirely, not apology, not quite rescue. I pulled his hand away, gently, gently enough, I think, and let what should keep falling. 
All right. Cadence is the name of that. Yes. On page 22 of the 100th issue. Now, how many hands did that have to go through, Jessica, before you decided you were going to publish it? Of course, you've published, Carl, uh, on occasion in the past. Yes. Well, a confession would be that uh, Carl's one of the one percenters who uh, received a direct solicitation for myself to send work in. So it only went through my hands. Joyce, we only have a minute left. Do you ever have any problem getting anything uh, printed and published in Boulevard? Well, I sent things to Richard Berg, and and Richard sends me his stories, too, because I'm one of of the admirers of his writing. So I think maybe I just have always been working with Richard, and it's so interesting to hear Jessica speak and talk about all the other readers, which I think is is really wonderful. But since I've known Richard for, like, forever... I guess I just sort of worked with him. Well, it's that time where we have to thank you all so much for being here, and congratulations, Jessica, to you and yours for the 100th issue. That is no small accomplishment in today's world. So congratulations, Carl. Congratulations to you for once again appearing in Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And Joyce Carol Oates, thank you so much for being with us. We'll look forward to that next book that you mentioned a little while ago. Thank you. Bye-bye. Always a pleasure to read you. Thank you. Thanks, folks. Thank Thank you. you.